Hey ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome to the No Higher Calling podcast. I am joined once again by my wonderful husband, Simeon. Hello. So we have had you all suggest on multiple occasions that we talk about financial things. Um, I am not the one (laughs) to talk about financial things. I remember Simeon and I were soon to be married and he, we were sitting at his parents' kitchen table and he looked at me, he's like, we need to talk about a budget. I was like, a what? You don't say that word. That's a terrible word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. And as always, my dad's probably listening to this and laughing, but, um, we weren't really financially savvy growing up in my home and my family. That has been something that my dad has grown in later in life since I have been out of the house. And honestly, at that time in my life, my budget was work as hard as I can, and every dime that I make went to my tithe and to pay for college. So I didn't really have a lot of wiggle room anyway. I didn't, I mean, that was a simple budget. Um, But he sat down with me. He was like, we we need to work on this. We need to be wise stewards of our money. Um, We are not the experts on this at all. Um, but God has taught us several things that we have learned through the wisdom of really Simeon's dad is very financially savvy. So he has imparted a lot of that wisdom to Simeon. As we have been on deputation, we have heard so much good preaching and so much of that preaching has been on giving and tithing and stewardship of your finances, um, that we have been able to implement some of that into our home. And so while we do not have the five steps to financial freedom, you'd have to go listen to Dave Ramsey's podcast for that. Um, We do have some tips that God has used in our home um, to help us. I mean, we are far from rich, but to help us steward wisely Um, what he has given us. And we have seen God's blessing come from simple obedience. Um, Even, you know, there have been seasons of abundance and then things that we have tried to do in those seasons. And then some things that we've done in seasons of lack because we've kind of had all ends of the spectrum. But as we jump into today's episode, I I really wanted Simeon to join me to kind of share some more of his heart in this area, some of his leading in our home in this area. Um, and we've called this episode The Windows of Heaven. Babe, you want to clue into why we've chosen that title? Sure. Um, so that phrase you may know from songs um, that you have sung in church, or you may know that from just something that people have said before that, you know, that God's going to open the windows of heaven. What are they even talking about? And where do you find that? And in fact, if you do a quick search, um, on the phrase windows of heaven, you're only going to find it in two places. Um, and interestingly, the first place, um, that you find that is how God describes Noah's flood. So in Genesis chapter seven, verse 11, it says in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month, 
The same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And then in the next chapter, uh, chapter number 8, it says the same thing in verse 2. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. So that phrase in Genesis is used to describe the incredibly massive torrent of water that was dropped from the sky and flooded the entirety of the earth. Um, So that is the first time in which you find that phrase. The second time you find that phrase is in the book of Malachi chapter 3. And when I say Malachi chapter 3, people who've been in church church for a long time go, oh, the tithing chapter, and you're right. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. There's an obvious parallel um, that's being drawn in Malachi, he, where he says, um, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. There's an, and that's an obviously a parallel back to Genesis, where the flood occurs and there's not enough room to receive the water, okay? So everyone drowns because there's so much water. And God, then he says, you bring your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse, and I will pour you out a blessing, so much so that you won't be able to even handle it or receive it. Um, so we just kind of wanted to talk a bit about giving and that idea that you give to God, your tithes, your offerings, and God will give back to you in a way that you can't even really understand, in a way that you can't even really receive. Um, And the truth of the matter is, if we look at our lives, God's already given us so much that we don't even give him credit for. So we've already... we say give the offerings too. Technically, we're not even giving that tithe. You know, that is something that is is his. We're bringing that to him. Then above that, we can give... In different ways, but that tithe, that that's kind of like, <laughs> if you want to point one here, that's the non-negotiable. Right. Yeah. And and that, if you really want to do a deep dive study on that, just look at Malachi and and that word tithe translates to the tenth. So if you're curious, if you've not studied in on that at all, that's exactly what that is. It's the tenth. Um, it is done through the local church. And it's done through the church, and you can find that um, passages on that in the New Testament. We don't have to get into that heavy today, but um, that the tithe is something that you bring. That is God's. That is set aside for Him. He gave you everything you have. He asks for ten percent of it back, um, and that is not because He needs it, but because it helps us and tries our faith. So the tithe is a ten percent. That's what we do um, because that is His. The offering um, is something that we do because we want to, because we want to be a blessing. It's something that we give. Sometimes that's a commitment that we make to do something. Um, If you want an interesting study, study what an oath is in the Bible. If you make an oath, you'd better fulfill it. Um, So if you tell God you're going to give him something, you'd better give it to him. Um, So an offering can be something that you promised God that you were going to give him, or it can be something that you have, are, you know, the Lord puts on your heart to do, um, whether that be doing something special for somebody else or giving funds towards the church for a project or just something that's on your heart to give. Um, That also includes your missions giving or anything else that you're doing. So there's several offerings that 
the Bible talks about. We won't have time to get into all of that today. But Could you speak to like a faith promise offering? I know different churches, different denominations might call it something a little bit different. We are independent Baptist. Um, we do faith promise missions giving. Um, many of you know that we are, Lord willing, soon to head to the mission field. Um, so... We actually, like our our income, what allows us to do ministry full time comes through the giving of our supporting churches. That's what deputation was. We traveled for several years to different churches, presenting our burden, presenting our ministry. Um, and then they had the choice to partner with us, prayer support first and foremost, but also financially. Um, and that allows us the freedom to go to a foreign country where we can't get a job because we're not citizens and things like that. It allows us the freedom to minister there really on the behalf of these churches. But do you want to maybe explain a little bit as you're talking about offerings, because faith promise giving has played a huge part in in our life and in specific ways that we have seen God bless us in return as we have stepped out in faith. And sure, um, you kind of threw that one at me, but I've got to, got to throw it together here. Um, Philippians chapter four uh, is where you know we we a lot of us know Philippians chapter three pretty well. There's a lot of stuff in there that we may know, but in Philippians chapter four, um, possibly the most famous verse of that chapter is verse number thirteen that says, "I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me." Um, however, what most people don't tend to understand is that the context of what he's saying is. Before he gets to that verse, he talks about how, um, in verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere. In, and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer and eat. So Paul is saying, in whatsoever circumstances I find myself, I can do whatever Christ has given me to do. I can have the strength because he's giving it to me. And then he follows that up with this. Notwithstanding, ye have done well, speaking to the, the, to the Philippian church. That ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but because I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all in abounds and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So Paul finishes that thought that he started by saying, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Then he says, yes, I've been through hard times. I've been through times of plenty. Um, And he says, notwithstanding, you have done well. And he's speaking to the Philippian church. And the reason he says that they've done well is that they communicated with him or they made sure that Paul had what he needed when he needed it. If Paul had a need, he knew that the Philippian church would take care of it. And the Bible says that they did this once and again. In other words, it was a regular gift that they gave. And then he follows up by saying, my God will supply all your need. That verse is, a, is an awesome promise that God will supply all our needs, but it is in the context of taking care of what God wants done in the world. And it's it's wrong, honestly, for us to try and claim that verse, that God's going to take care of all of our needs if we are not actively trying to take care of the needs of the ministry that are around us and uh, you know elsewhere in the world as well, as Paul was a missionary. 
And God's not going to call everyone to the mission field. We should all be obeying Christ in the command to share him with others. It talks about in Acts how when it gives the Great Commission that we are to be reaching Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts, meaning it's a simultaneous reaching. You know, but I can't reach my neighbor in Tennessee while also being in Australia. Um, there, You know, there are some people that God calls to foreign fields, but as we are witnessing to those right around us in our community, God gives us the ability to have a worldwide gospel impact through giving. And and that's really just the first thing we wanted to talk about when talking about finances and, and this windows of heaven, making that connection between God pouring out his blessings on his people in their response to obedience in giving, correlating that with him pouring out water upon the earth as he did in the days of Noah. Like, I want blessings dumped on my life like rain dumped on Noah's ark. Um, and and that really is our first thing. The, the longer we have walked in obedience to Christ, the longer we have come down this road, you know, we, we talk about it in the Titus 2, this road of sanctification, the more we realize that God's blessing is always directly connected to our obedience. And, and this is an area where God is pretty specific in the, in his word, um, is, is to bring those tithes and then above that to bring the offerings. Now, again, we said the tithe is kind of the non-negotiable 10% as the Bible lays out. The offering is, is more what he puts on your heart and what he leads you to. Um, and part of that for us has been the faith promise missions offering. And, um, our pastor here at our church has challenged us every year to increase that. And, you know, there have been some years where we were on deputation and we're like, uh, we're missionaries ourselves trying to raise support. And here we are trying to up our faith promise giving. Like, this does not make sense on paper. Yeah, if you want to save money, don't be a missionary. Um, <laughs> because we went from mission conference to mission conference and heard evangelists and pastors and all kinds of people preach on this topic trying to encourage people to give to missions so that people like me could go to the field. But at the same time, I'm hearing all of these messages and feeling like I don't do enough for world evangelism. Oh, I know. We wanted and to give like our whole paycheck and we wanted to surrender to every field it, because it we like, were so vividly seeing the need. It felt like we were raising our missions offering every other week. It was crazy, but um, that didn't do us any harm. You know, the Lord stayed true to the promise he made through Paul that if you take care of what he's doing in this world, he'll take care of you. And we haven't had any needs that have gone unmet since. Well, and we've heard it a million times that you cannot outgive God. And that has been proven again in our life. And, and God says in Malachi, in the context of this giving of the tithe, he says, you bring it to me. He's literally saying, prove my character in your life. I've promised that I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to pro I've promised that the righteous will not be forsaken and their seed will not beg bread. But you bring your tithe. You trust me. You follow me in obedience and prove me. Watch me prove myself to you in your life. And I already said this, but not that I feel like we are a perfect example of this because we have so much to learn and so much growth, but just a little bit of our own testimony. You know, before we stepped out into deputation, um, Simeon had a 
good job, a very good job that he loved. I mean, he said so many times while doing that job that if God didn't call us to the mission field, that was his niche. Like he would do that for the rest of his life and be very happy and content working that job. It provided very well for our family. Um, And then right about as we were transitioning, realizing God's calling us to the mission field, we, we really need to end this income, this job, we need to step out in faith and transition into this raising support. Now, I don't know how much you know about deputation or missionaries, but there is a period where you have to quit the job and not get the paycheck and travel and present your burden and trust that God is going to burden pastors and churches' hearts to partner with you. In that in-between, there is no steady paycheck. Now, you can lay up in savings. You can do different things, again, to try to be a wise steward of that and to look well to the ways of your household. Um, but but it, it's a big step of faith. Right before we made the decision to do that, Simeon got offered a new position with his job that would completely fulfill the American dream for us. I mean, we would be living comfortably and really, I mean, whatever we wanted could have been achieved through that position, through that raise. And we were tempted uh, I mean, it really was what, six or eight months that this job, I mean, his boss literally said, I'm not going to fill this position until you quit. Like it is yours. It is sitting here. He approached Simeon multiple times. We were struggling to get meetings. I, I, I mean, it was, there was this window of time where we were like, are we stupid? Are we, are we, ch-? I mean, we could fully fund a missionary by ourselves on this income? Like, should we just stay here and and work this job and get this money and leave it to somebody else? And there were, there were highs and lows as we worked through really that temptation that Satan dangled in front of us. But we came to a point where it was simple obedience. No, God has called us to the mission field. And whether that makes sense to us or not, we're going to step out. We, for once and for all, turned down that position. We stepped out. I remember we our first two weeks of deputation, we went to my dad's because we had hardly any money. And we're like, well, we can stay there and use his electricity and eat his food. So, And it, within two weeks, we had filled almost an entire year on our calendar of meetings. But it was just, it was one of the first like super tangible instances in our lives where God proved himself. We trusted him in the area of finances when it didn't really make sense by the world standard. And he proved himself so faithful. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I had I had been calling for months and we had maybe, maybe like five or six meetings on the calendar and I couldn't get anybody to book us. It was the craziest thing, even people I knew. And then, you know, when we stepped out on faith and quit the job and... You know, we started in, in, in January of that year, and um, I just started calling. I literally called on, on New Year's Day and then, um, the next couple of days after that. And then next thing we knew, we had the whole calendar booked in within the first 14 days of January. So just just wild. And, you know, I'm, 
you might be listening and you might be one of the hundreds that listen to this podcast and think, oh, I'm called to missions. This is a good challenge for me to step out in faith. I'm assuming the majority of you are not called to the mission field. So what does all that mean for you? Give. Trust God with that tithe. Give him the tithe. That that was the first step. When we had that budget meeting, that was number one. Before anything else got put on the list, 10% of our income went straight to tithe. Um, and then we have a, we have tried to follow God in obedience and watch him prove himself faithful to us. So that that's really kind of our main thing. Um, but then, yeah, talking about a budget. Yeah, so when you're making your budget, you have to understand from the get-go, 10% God's, that's not even touchable. That's gross. That's pre-taxes. That's everything. God gets it before the government gets it before you get it. So, ten percent of the gross I set aside. That's uh, that's the tithe. Period. End of story. Then, um, over and above that, we set aside the things that we've already promised to the Lord. So, our missions giving, any other gifts that we may have promised to the Lord, um, we have. You know, we promised the Lord that we were going to give a certain amount every month to the missions giving. So that's put in the budget. It's set aside. Now what's left? Um, and what's left is what we build the rest of our budget on. If you are not budgeting your income, um, that is something you need to start doing ASAP. Because I guarantee you, if you're not budgeting your income, one, you don't really know how much money you're making. So you're either underestimating or more likely overestimating how much money you're making. And two, you're definitely underestimating how much money you're spending. So if you're not budgeting your income, you have to start doing that immediately. If for no other reason, then it gives you illumination as to what you're actually spending and what you're actually making. Um, So that's kind of finances 101. I know people think budget is a bad word, but um, Brittany will tell you, when we first started budgeting, the first month or so was kind of like, Oh man, yeah, this is awful. Fun. It wasn't fun. But then after that, <laughs> there was a certain amount of freedom in that because she knew exactly what she had to spend. She knew exactly how much she could get out of what she had. She knew if she had something coming up, she could go a little bit lighter a few months beforehand and we could always afford it. Well, there is so much freedom in that. Let me just use the area of restaurants for an example. Um, you know, it used to be we just kind of ate out on whim. If we wanted to go out to eat, we went out to eat. And and there, I mean, we have some flexibility. We are at a place where we can enjoy life, but we are more conscious now that, okay, we've put X amount of dollars in the restaurant budget. So if, you know, the decision is between Chick-fil-A or steak, like maybe we're going to go with Chick-fil-A so that we can get a date night or something like that later on in the month. Also, you know, I, we both, I I love to cook. We like to eat at home. So there's been sometimes where we've tried to even scale back more so in the restaurant budget and be content to eat at home so that I could have a pedicure when I was pregnant and couldn't reach my toes. You know, so a, a budget allows for that wiggle room and freedom. It's not quite as restricting as I originally thought. Um, but but that really is was huge, is setting that budget, making sure that our giving and that offering was top priority, um, obeying the Lord, following His commands. And then that really transitioning transitions into just stewarding your household well, you know, taking care of your needs, taking care of your family. Simeon, one of his early jobs was he, he was basically a collecting agent. Um, and, and it was amazing how people would not pay for their, like the roof over their head 
but they would pay their Netflix bill. Oh, like- <laughs> I, n- I never, I never want to do that job again. It was absolutely awful. Um, but part, of, I, I was essentially a collections guy um, for mortgages. But what, yeah, like you said, what was amazing was people would live in a house and they would not pay their house because they had a two hundred and fifty dollar cell phone bill that they paid instead of their house bill, or they went and they bought a car that was worth literally more than the house that they were living in and they couldn't afford the house. So they, but they went and bought a car anyway, just so out of balance purely again, because they don't know what they're making, what they're spending, or they just didn't care. I don't know what, which it was, but there were times like the best moments in that job were when I could get somebody to listen to me long enough to go through a budget with them. And I, I would just sit on the phone for an hour with this one person and go through a whole budget with him. And it was amazing. Some of those people I would never talk to again because they would never end up in my collections role again because they got their financial house in order. So, Well, I think a huge thing too that we've just gotten so out of whack in our blessed American culture, our needs versus wants. You know, food is a necessity. Clothes are a necessity. Designer clothes or a walk-in closet full of every shade of every color, that's a want. That's not a need. You know, I even know last year in Eden's kindergarten, there was a whole lesson from Proverbs on needs versus wants. And I thought, man, I hope she grasps this sooner in life than I did. Hey, I'll, I'll just land this on you right now. When you look at the, in the biblical sense, that word need, the only thing you ever find that associated with in the Bible is food, raiment, and shelter, food, clothes, and shelter. That's it. So when God says, I'll supply all your needs, he's not saying, I'm going to land a brand new car in your driveway, although he may bless you with that. What he's saying is, you're never going to have any needs that go unwanted. That's why David said, you know, that he'd never seen God's children begging bread. You know, so that food, shelter, clothing, God promises he'll take care of those things. So in stewarding your household well, just take care of those needs. And and it is wonderful to splurge on the wants. And, and we do that. We, you know, we, we love taking vacation or, you know, getting a new dress or something like that. But But letting that be under the control of the budget and under this jurisdiction of stewardship. Then also saving, you know, that has been something that Simeon has been really good at is having an emergency fund. And again, some of this comes back to Dave Ramsey's influence and teaching, but having, having that emergency fund, that backup, um, if there's something that we want to do, if there's a vacation we want to take or, um, you know, something that's going to require a larger chunk of money, we need to plan that far enough out that we can piece by piece save up for that instead of just on a whim, hey, we're going to go take two weeks in Florida and charge it all on the card and then figure it out later. Um, another thing that that has led us into with our children um, is setting up a savings account for them. Now, we give to that monthly. It is a small amount (laughs) because we do have four children, you know, so we can't give hundreds of dollars a month to each one's account. Um, But we still have a regular occurring every month. We give X amount of dollars and we know that, hey, by the time they're 18, they they will all have this much in that account um, from that little increment that we put in on a monthly basis. And that's what we will then give to them for our girls if they want to use that for our wedding or for their weddings, Um, you know, our boys. 
if they want to use it for the rehearsal, I mean, it'd be a nice chunk for the rehearsal dinner, I guess. Honeymoon. But yeah, or, you know, once, once they are mature College. enough to not take that money and just blow it on a sports car or something like that, um, that is the money that we will gift our children as they are making that bridge into adulthood. But that is something that we just implemented, I mean, from the beginning with Eden. And again, it's not so much of an amount that, it, it hurts us. We do have to plan for that. The more children we have, the more we have to plan for it. Um, but it is planning way ahead of time so that when that time comes, we're not hit with, oh, they need thousands of dollars and we don't have that. Um, so those are have just been a couple ways we have tried to steward our household well. And then really the last one is just to follow the Spirit's leading um, in the area of of giving beyond like offering. So we've talked about the missions. We've talked about, you know, your church has a building project or special things, you know, um, that type of giving. But this is kind of giving outside of the church house. Service-oriented giving, really. Um, when we were on deputation, we learned so much about this kind of giving from people that we either would be staying with or that would take us somewhere or, you know, just people that would honestly spoil us rotten, to be to be frank about it. And, and we felt silly about that in a way because we knew that we were so undeserving of those gifts. But the point I'm making is that people gave sacrificially to us. They also gave in ways that were not even necessarily financial a lot of the time. Um so, you know, Brittany's talked quite a bit about hospitality on here um, and other. And you, there's other avenues that you can do that by. We kind of have just made a personal policy um, of giving when we can. And if God blesses you with abundance, obviously you've got to be a good steward of what you have. That doesn't mean, you know, write your entire life savings away to somebody. But what it does mean is if God impresses on your heart to do something, We've just made a policy to do it. Sometimes Brittany will say to me, hey, I really want to do this for so-and-so. Um, somebody's going through a hard time or just something's going on. And we've just kind of just made a policy. Like, okay, then then we'll do it. And there have been times where it's been the other way around and I've suggested something and we've done it. But um, God gives you things. He's a blessing to you so that you can be a blessing to others. Well, there's and, that saying too, God will give more through you than he will give to you. And it's absolutely true. I mean, and when we look at our financial situation, we have we have no rhyme or reason as to why we are where we are. And, you know, we've done the best that we can to budget and to be good stewards of our income. But all what it really comes down to is God's blessed and it's all his money, not just the 10% that we give him in the tithe. And when you think of it that way, if he puts something on your heart to do, just just do it. Just go ahead and determine now, before it happens, that if he puts something on your heart, you're going to say yes, no matter how big or how small. And there have been times where we've given uncomfortable amounts to things. There have been times where we've given, you know, a $10 gift card to somebody, just whatever the words put on your heart. Well, and like Simeon said, this... This type of giving does not always have to be, you know, oh, I'm going to go give so-and-so $500 because, you know, they just were in a car wreck or something like that. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe that's what God calls you to. Um, but but this could be something as simple as, you know, hey, m- my friend, 
just had sickness go through their household. And I'm just going to have $20 pizza delivered to their house for dinner. That was simple. Or there's even ways that you can give of things other than your resources. Um, I, you know, I'm just thinking we have some friends that are going through a hard time. And I offered to watch our kids so they could go out on a date night. You know, that that's not the money requirement of me. It's time requirement. But, but those are just ideas of how you can give, how you can be quick to give. We're so self-focused. We're so self-absorbed, especially when it comes to the area of finances. Um, we work hard for our money and we want our money for the things that we want. And, you know, we're humans too. There's things we want. There's things we're saving for. And, and I get that. But I, we have seen through personal example and example in so many other people's lives as they have shared their testimonies that God blesses a cheerful giver. And we'll end with that. If Sim, if you want to look up 2 Corinthians 9, um, just some some of the verses through that passage. Maybe you want to pick out a few of those just to kind of drive this home as we wrap up this episode. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 6 says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister, uh, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So, there's a couple of different aspects of giving there. The main one being that if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You sow a few seeds, you'll reap a few harvest crops. You throw, you sow a lot of seeds, you're going to reap a larger harvest of crops. Um, but then there's some other interesting ones in here, one that specifically relates to missionaries in that he says, he that ministereth seed to the sower, or in other words, gives the sower the ability to sow, um, both minister bread for your food and multiply your own seed sown. So, you know, there's there's a lot to be learned in that passage. I would encourage you to read it for yourself. Um, but the main thing being that God is interested in your giving, and not just your giving because you feel like you have to, but because you want to. And, you know, again, I think a lot of that starts with budgeting. If you budget your income, you know what you have to give. Um, but giving is such a joy. It is such a joy to be able to say, you know what, I have means right now here's this and minister to someone else, even if it's not financial, but just giving of your time, of your resources and God will bless you for it. There have even been times where we haven't had the means and God has asked us to give. And we said, this doesn't make any sense, but okay. And, and we, we have had joy. We're honestly, maybe even more joy because not only were we still enabled to give, but we were able to see God come through on the back end and provide something that, that we did need at that time. Um, so I would, I would add one cautionary thing, and it would be know what you're giving to um, or who you're giving to. Don't just give. Know what it is that you're giving to. Um, you know, if it's a friend, somebody that you know, you don't got to worry about that as much um, because you know that person and what it's going for. Or if it's your own church, you know that church, the ministry that you're giving to. 
but don't just, you know, everybody wants money. Everybody wants something from you all the time. I get calls on a regular basis about donating to this or that. Know what you're giving to, who you're giving giving it to, and pray about it. And God will give you direction on that. And pray about it as a couple. You know, come together. If, if one of you or even if both of you feel like God is asking you to give something, whether that be in, in directly co- correlated with offerings or, you know, pizza to a friend, pray about that together. And, and even through the prayer, it allows you to unite your heart with God's heart and to seek the greatest potential of what that gift is that you want to accomplish. And I don't want to deliver just pizza just to deliver pizza. I want to minister to someone who is struggling or is who's having a rough time. I want God to be near them and to encourage them through something as simple as pizza. Or you know what that that's a silly small example, but but one that has ministered to our family. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had some delivery pizzas that came at just the needed time and God has used that to encourage our hearts. So we just wanted to share some different things that God's done in our life as we have sought to be wise stewards, to obey him, just to follow what his word says, and as he has proved himself faithful time and again. So thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.